Thank you for listening to Comics for Fun and Profit. This is Drew with a special episode of my other podcast that I co-host regularly. And uh, it's Weekly Comic Spotlight over at John Mayo's comic book page. And uh, for those of you who haven't heard it, I wanted to give you a chance to listen to it. It's a standard review show of uh, a Marvel, a DC, and an independent comic. Uh, each week. So uh, check this out. And if you like it, go over there and subscribe or check out uh, those those episodes. They're a lot of fun. So thanks again for listening. Um, here you go. This is Weekly Comics Spotlight, number 530 for comics originally released on October 4th, 2017. Now starting us off in D.C., is All-Star Batman number 14. And uh, I'll be honest, Drew, I was surprised this was the final issue of the series. If you had not uh, mentioned that, I probably would have been a month from now waiting for number 15 and wondering what happened. I just uh, It's hard to keep track of all the different titles these days. It certainly is. They come and they go, and you, you just never know sometimes. This is the first ally storyline. And I will be honest, when this started up, I had a little uh, trepidation about it in terms of, is that really kind of, you know, <sighs> Alfred is the first ally, makes sense. I mean, it was a little too on the nose, so I never considered that's who they were going to have be that first ally. But the direction they went with Alfred in this, it really didn't sit well with me, because it essentially sets him up as almost like a, a precursor to Batman in all but costume. You know, special agent of the government, all the super spy skills. I mean, it, it made it to where it's not just that he trained Batman, but a generation earlier he would have been Batman. And, I don't know, there's, there's a certain aspect of Alfred, just an actor, training Batman, or... or getting it to where he acts like how a Batman would act, and therefore he kind of becomes a, a Batman, almost uh, a method acting on an extreme basis, if you will, that for me plays a little bit better than the, what are the odds that the perfect guy to train Batman just happens to luck into, you know, being the son of the, the butler for the Waynes who dies right at the right time, and, you know, all of this kind of uh, aligning of stars sort of a thing. But that having been said, if you... If you're okay with that basic concept or whatever, it was a decent story. Now, as I'm sure will come as to no surprise to you, the constant jumping between the now and then drove me up the wall. And there were a couple of times they would cut away from, like, the now, right before a key thing happened, like, I don't know, a plane getting shot down. It's like, okay, we see Alfred with the gun. Great, got it. But would it hurt for you to actually show us the plane getting shot down before when we jump back to the now... There's a plane crash, Alfred's bailing out. I mean, it's like, you cut away from, from I thought, a key moment. So there was a little annoyance there. But, I mean, it's a, it's a good telling... Well, I was going to say it's a good telling of a questionable story, but I, I question the telling, too. I liked it, I enjoyed it, but I had some major um, misgivings about the nature of the story they were telling and one or two of the dangling plot threads they had here. And there was one in particular that doesn't feel like the sort of thing that had I been the editor, I would have said, okay, yeah, go ahead and do that. Unless there was a game plan and this was building something for the future and it was just going to have an amazing payoff. But we'll, we'll see if that happens or not. Yeah. I think, um, I, I mean, I think Scott Snyder has a real affection for all things Batman and, and all 
supporting characters and he likes to explore them in ways that maybe others haven't haven't explored them um and i, and I think it comes from a from a place of affection and he really likes them but yeah sometimes it's do i really need to do i really need to see this aspect and it does kind of lose the charm of uh alfred as just the caretaker that loves uh, a young Bruce Wayne and and keeps him safe all those years and then stitches them up when he gets hurt and it it kind of loses its effectiveness when you think you know that he's this this superior uh, crime re- crime fighter in his own right almost mm-hmm. and and yeah it, it does lose a little bit but I can definitely see that um <clears throat> I, I I like the story though I mean it, it, if if I can just pretend it's an else world world story. You know, and that this you is mean, just a kind of like the Earth One in which Alfred is, you know, an ex mercenary or whatever. Yeah, who just happens to stumble across Bruce at the right time, yada yada. If I, mean, I can just kind of, if I can just put those goggles on and not not make it canon and and feel like it has to fit in this box, then I think I'm a little, I, I enjoy it a little bit more. I don't know if that's even possible, but that, that that's kind of how I have to look at some of these things and. And, and just look at them that way. Cause I think the art was really nice and it was a nice style that I enjoyed. And, um, this series has been good and, and something that, that, that I've enjoyed the main story of the, 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 the A plot, the A story throughout and kind of maybe those extra pages at the end have not been, uh, valuable to me as a reader. Uh, Albuquerque has been, I think, writing the backups for a while now. And those, those have been kind of worthless, but, uh, I, I did like this story. Well, the the backup in this particular issue finally concluded that arc. Now, granted, they've only got you know a handful of pages to play with here, uh, maybe seven or eight or whatever. But it ending on a note that I guess set up the beginning of the main story that came out what back in May or something. I mean, if if that's not a sign that this was written for the trade reader, I don't know what is. I mean. A six-month slow burn on a backup feature that then calls back to the beginning of of the the main six-issue arc, you know, way back when or whatever. I mean, I don't know. That uh, yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. I had I had actually stopped reading the backup in this. I've been I've been reading the series without reading the backup. Um, so I didn't even I didn't even know that's what they were they were going for. That's what seemed to be happening, but I wasn't overly amazed by the backup because it was a an early Batman who who was constantly saying how he'd kind of whoop didn't catch that oops didn't catch that oops I shouldn't have done that you know almost it uh, that's the that's not the Batman I want I'm not saying it's not a valid take for an early Batman likewise I'm not saying this isn't a valid take for uh, uh, Alfred or whatever but as far as I know all of this is taking place in the mainstream DC universe and it's it's a little hard to kind of accept that and fit that in with, uh, you know, kind of my take on on Batman and Alfred and so forth. Um, and the fact that I do believe this is in the mainstream universe, and there is, again, this one major tangling loose end that they're in, a, in my mind, a damned if they do, damned if they don't situation. If they don't do anything with this, this plot thread, it's like, well, what was the whole point? You go through a lot of trouble to set something up, and if it doesn't pay off, why bother? But then if it does, it's like, really, you, you wanted to hang on to that? Because um, I thought it was ill-conceived, more so than even the basic uh, nature of uh, of the story. Um, it just, it, it again, boggled my mind. Again, were I the editor, it's like, ah, no, that, that, 
that's a bad idea just long term uh, for the continuity and stuff. It would have to get disavowed, have to do this, whatever. I could see maybe going for it if there's like a brilliant payoff, but I just I don't see that coming. Certainly not in this title since this title's ending. Are you talking about the uh, <coughs> the, the villain that walks off? At yes, the, end? the villain that walks and, off at the end and is still around and conceivably can resurface at any point. I feel that that character is obligated to resurface. I mean, why why set the character up? And then we have to revisit it again. Which, again, yeah, I, I, yeah. the character, I think, while potentially interesting, was ill-conceived um, just from a larger shared universe picture. There are certain stories that, while they may be fun to tell... And we think this is a spoiler because we think people haven't read this book yet. Because yes. it's a trade book. Because yeah. people are waiting for the trade. Well, because I think it's certainly written for the trade. Okay. Um... The I, I don't want to give it away in case somebody hasn't read this. Um, I'm sensing you feel differently on that. But no, I don't care. I don't care either way. I don't, I don't feel strongly either way. So we'll, it's go, we'll go your way. If they haven't encountered this, and it may be a while before that character shows up again, I will spare the listeners what I consider the pain of it. <laughs> exactly. It, it's 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 something that once out there is hard to you, you can't unroll the die if, if you know what I mean. It's it's yeah. <clears throat> yeah I was really surprised because. Uh, Scott Snyder is usually pretty good with putting putting the toys back in the box, and this one he's he's kind of let out, and it, away it goes. But now that I say that, though, he did he he did create Duke too, didn't he? The new Robin wasn't that a Scott Snyder invention? Might be. I'd have to uh, chase back to when Duke first appeared. Yeah. I think so. Which also is problematic. I couldn't tell if it was was that in Batman or was that We Are Robin where Duke first appeared. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I couldn't swear to it. But also problematic because there's way too many Robins kicking around. But yeah, that's a that's a different story, a different problem for a different book. At this, least this book has a, another character that's going to be problematic and probably should have died on the last page and not walked off. I, I I would have been more extreme. I would not have had the character die. I would have the character not have been. Um, I well, thought- yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, that was part of the part of his plot. So yeah, but it could it could have been wrapped up by being. I think destroyed. true, true, but I think even having it part of the plot to me detracted from from this. And it's funny because I I come to him really hard against aspects of the storytelling, aspects of of certainly the the nature of the plot. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good read, despite the fact they went in directions I I think were ill advised. You know, I I I'm not necessarily going to be sorry to see this title go. I think we've got plenty of Batman books, but um, this was a. a a fun read of, again, like I said, what I consider to be an ill-conceived story. Um, and not necessarily ill-conceived on the creator's part. I can see them wanting to tell this story. But for a character as tenured as Batman, and really you can't get much further back than that, except maybe Superman and a handful of others, if that, there are certain things where it's like, if you put this into the canon, at some point it's got to be, again, like disavowed, ignored, and fade away or whatever, because it just... It doesn't work long term, but short term it's fun. So I'm going to go with a B plus on this. Surprisingly, yeah, I'm I'm at a B minus. I did, I did think the story was pretty good. The, the A story, um, <coughs> I, I thought it was a throwaway supporting story. I felt again, um, uh, a five. It's a five dollar book. It's unnecessarily to be that that much. And uh, um, but yeah, good, decent art, uh, decent story. Yeah, kind of wish you would have uh, buttoned it up a little better. But but yeah, I I, I thought it was. Worth a read. Mm-hmm. The the price is a major negative. I will I will certainly uh, concede that. Shall we move on to our Marvel book? 
Yeah. This is Avengers number 672. This is part of the Marvel Legacy numbering, and it is a uh, crossover between the Avengers and the Champions. And the the cover um, is is one of those iconic images from a classic, I'm going to say, JLA-JSA crossover or maybe a crisis. Um, and I, I feel it was like the Spectre holding the two worlds apart or something. I For the life of me, I couldn't find exactly where the image was, what it was an homage to. Of course, I didn't spend a whole lot of time looking. And it may not have been another cover. It may have been interior art. But it was very much setting the story off on a JLA-JSA kind of a vibe, which I thought was completely appropriate given the Avengers Champions kind of a crossover of the older guard and the younger characters, um, and in some cases almost analog characters in, in some degrees. Uh, not as much as, say, a JLA-JSA crossover would be. But, you know, with, with Wade writing, I don't think any of that was the least bit accidental. He's just a, a very seasoned writer, both at Marvel and at DC, and he hit kind of all the right notes for uh, the start of a, a six-part crossover between the two titles. And I don't know what the heck was going on on that first page, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that, you know, we'll find out through the, the course of the adventure, and I'm fine with that. And we got a lot of really good character moments and a couple of things that just surprised me very pleasantly, like when... Um, Herc and the Totally Awesome Hulk are, are told, okay, you guys team up and deal with this this part over here. Because um, it was, again, classic JLA-JSA sort of storytelling of take the team, divide them up, and, and go have little mini-adventures or whatever. Um, when you get Herc and, uh, and Hulk together, Herc's like, you know, hey, I, I'm not really used to you as a Hulk, Amadeus, but, you know, it's just like old times, buddy. Because Herc had taken over the Hulk title at one point, and Amadeus was essentially his sidekick. And that kind of a callback, it's like, oh yeah, I'd forgotten about that, because they hadn't really referenced it for a while. Those sorts of callbacks, that sort of of use of the continuity, the history, the baggage of the characters in a good way, made for this, uh, I thought it was a really fun read. There was kind of the expected and appropriate friction between the Avengers and the Champions, and it just the the writing I thought was uh, was sensational, and um, the the art was phenomenal. Um, I thought overall the art was outstanding. The only kind of nitpick I would have, uh, and it was mainly there at the beginning when we first see uh, the champions at their their Texas headquarters. Um, Sam Nova seems a bit older than he's usually shown in either his own title or champions or pretty much anywhere else we've ever seen him. By a couple of years. And for a kid who's supposed to be a really scrawny, what, you know, 10-year-old or some such, he was coming across a bit more like a teenager here, uh, but a really well-drawn one. So I'm not going to complain, it just, that was the only thing uh, I could say would be a possible knock on the art. Otherwise, it was just sensational and just a, a joy to, to look at. I had a little more trouble with the art than you did. Um, I think, and I was really surprised because Mark Wade, I think, is writing The Champions too and writing them very well, and they're being drawn age-appropriately. And I felt the entire team was way too old, uh, drawn way too old, especially Scott Scott Summers uh, got him wrong, um, got Ms. Marvel wrong. And, that yeah, I, I was really surprised that, I mean, it, they all look like they're contemporaries. The entire Avengers and Champions are drawn uh, similar in age. And that's just not the way to do it. Um, 
and it should have been uh those early when they did the first early uh team page where it shows who the champions are and who the Avengers are, you should have just said, Okay, wrong, try again and and send it back. Uh but that being said, I was able to move on and and enjoy the story for what it was, which was a fun a fun story. Really really cool to set up what this crossover is going to be. I mean, uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. It was a, a fun little let's stop the let's stop the meteor mm-hmm. story, and and it was cool to see the different team ups and how they attacked the thing. And I, I mean, it, it should have been an easier <laughs> an easier fix than it was. I thought. I mean, I I would have assumed that on a like any one of these couple of characters could have probably stopped that thing on on a, in their own books well only any, under one time. condition and that is it happened in their own title yeah yeah i think it would have been a much easier but it, it wouldn't have taken 12 12 characters to, to slow this thing down to to a crawl by the time it landed on the ground but it was still fun and it was cool to have them all interact that way and it's a it seems to me like it's going to be a fun a fun little crossover uh it won't take too long hopefully won't have too many extra issues, and we'll just uh, get through it lickety split and a nice six issue uh, crossover that gets collected to trade. And uh, I think it'll be fun. So I'm, I'm looking forward to reading some more. Your point that they could take out the meteor individually, well taken. Um, I can think of a couple of ways how almost every one of them could do it, except maybe Falcon. I think he'd be the, uh, the one hardest up. Um, but I'm thinking there's something almost interdimensionally going on here. That is is messing with them a little bit. Um, the whole bit about the Counter Earth, I thought well, that was a lot of fun. I want to see where they go with it. And Mark Wade, who again is so steeped in uh, the backstory of of the Marvel universe, um, I think it'll have a good payoff. And I'm again fascinated to know where it goes. I, I do not expect to be disappointed here. The one concern I have about this, in terms of how it gets collected in trade, is. Is it going to be jarring between the chapters with uh, the different artists? Because I think this is a fairly realistic style, whereas I think the champions tends to be a little bit more of a cartoony style. Yeah, and the champions are going to be—they're going to be five to ten years younger uh, yeah. than the, in that book I, than I, they are in this one. With the exception of Sam, I didn't think it was that bad. I see particularly what you mean with Cyclops. He feels a bit uh, taller and stuff than uh, than I feel he is usually in his own book, but. The, Ms. Marvel looks. Ms. Marvel looks to be as old. She looks like J Lo. I mean, she looks old in some of these in some of these panels. I think. I think uh, Viv looks like uh, her mom from the Vision miniseries in a lot of these panels. It's just they're certainly skewing older. I don't know if I'd agree as as old as you do, but the point is when you flip the page in the trade and you get to the champions one, you're going to notice. Oh yeah, you're absolutely going to notice. They're going to feel much much younger. Um, so I'm curious how that's that's going to work. It'll be quite a while before we find out, I bet. But I'm really enjoying this. I thought it was a fun crossover, and it was evocative of the JLA-JSA crossovers, which I just historically have really enjoyed. It hit all kind of the right notes of similar teams that are, are you know, friendly with each other, but there's some friction there. They, they, they shouldn't work together day in, day out, because it just wouldn't work. Um, they're too similar and too different in some respects. They captured that kind of aspect and they were all heroic the whole time and stuff. I don't know. It was just, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Cause these things can get really, uh, clunky and, and crowded. I didn't feel that way at all. I, I thought this, 
um, really worked and, and everybody got their chance to shine and interact and, and no one really got pushed aside. So I, w- I was really surprised with such a large cast that it was able to work as well as it did. I attribute some of that to the classic JLA-JSA storytelling style of split them into groups of two, three, or four or something and have a bunch of those to cut against. You know, hey, let's go look at these for a little bit. Okay, they've interacted now. Let's cut over to this other thing so that them interact. It guarantees everybody has a chance to shine versus being one of the dozen or so heroes in that panel. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'll know pretty soon. As soon as we see the next issue of Champions, we'll see Umberto Ramos's art style again. And if unless he's changed it, I, I think it will be a jarring. And we'll notice we'll notice that that jarring art art difference. Um, yeah, because of the stylistic, because of stylistically and and the way the age they're drawn. So yeah, I think I think we'll know pretty soon. We well, might not know in totality by the time the trade comes out, but I, I think we'll know pretty soon how they're going to work together. Yeah, and Umberto Ramos, I think, is a great pick for a book like The Champions that has predominantly younger characters. He did great on uh, Impulse and a number of other titles over the years, and he can draw the young characters both in terms of making them look young, but the body language that goes with that. Uh, whereas this is, again, a, a crisper, I don't want to say photorealistic, but it's it, to me it looks heavily uh, 3D sourced. Yeah. Um, and I just put that on almost the polar end, uh, opposite end of the spectrum as, as Umberto Ramos. Both are really good, and I really enjoy what they do. But man, if I were to, to flip the page in a trade and go from one style to the other in either direction, there's a little bit of cognizant dissonance that would just kind of, you know, pop out at that point of, whoa, that's that's different. Yeah. I mean, I, all the, I, it was just bothered me for a little bit. I was able to push that art um, choice to the side a little bit. I, I really, really enjoyed this. I gave it an A-, minus, and uh, it it would have been an A had, had they been a little closer to the the champions age that I felt they should be. But uh, this was, this was fun. It was a really good start to a series and a crossover. And I'm excited for the rest of the crossover. I'm really, I, I think they did a great job. Uh, for me, I didn't think the, uh, the art was that off with the exception of, of Sam, who seemed about six inches to a foot taller than it should be. Although again, to your point, now that I look at it, arguably the same could be said of Cyclops. Um, I really love the art style. Again, the storytelling. I'm going with a, a solid A. I don't think people would be disappointed if they're fans of one or both of these titles. Um, with the do the characters look the way you think they should as the the potential caveat. Um, so yeah, am, we both we both liked it. Yeah, um, I'm expecting it'll it'll turn out well. I think uh, uh, Wade is is the right kind of a writer to do this. He's good on plot. He's good on characterization. He knows these characters inside and out. I'm looking forward to the rest of, of the storyline. He's an up-and-comer. Keep your eye out for this Mark Wade guy. <laughs> and, and he's he's been one of those up-and-comers for, for many, many years. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's it's nice to see that he's able to, to stay contemporary with the style of the time. Yeah. Um, because, again, he's been doing this for a surprisingly long time, given how youthful he is. Well, yeah, and over in the Champions book... Um, he writes them, and it feels authentic to me. I mean, I'm an old white guy, but it, their their youthful uh, conversation sounds authentic to me. From uh, and and so I think he does a good job of of capturing that when that could really fall false and 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 not work. Well, you compare it to the '60s Titans, which are hip, groovy, and all wrong with the lingo. I would imagine. 
Because it was written by old white guys trying to do the, the, the hip, cool teenager slang. Yeah. And Mark Wade, I think, is a really good uh, listener and observer of, of humanity because he's done a variety of different characters, I think, really well. But I think also one of the things that, that suits him well with the champions, he's never really lost touch, I think, with his inner child. I mean, he's grown, he's matured, he's, he's a really great guy. Uh, the couple of times I've interacted with him, I found him very, very nice. And again, his, his trivia knowledge is just insane. But he has hung on to the joy of, you know, I, he gets to write comics for a living. That is not lost on him. And just the, the coolness of that. That's the sort of thing I think really shines through in the way he captures the exuberance and innocence and, and the other youthful aspects of, of characters like the champions. So again, highly recommended, uh, pretty much anything he, he writes, uh, by and large, but certainly this in, in particular. Yep. Shall we move on to our other book? Yes. This is, uh, slots number one. It is from Image Comics and this was not something I pre-ordered. I'll be honest, it barely even hit my radar uh, during the solicit cycle. And had you not mentioned, hey, we should consider doing this, it probably still wouldn't have been on my radar at all. <laughs> um, that's not the first time that's happened. <laughs> no, it is not. It, it <laughs> is not. Um, and vice versa. You know, Image is good about having the press PDFs available. I appreciate that. That was certainly uh, how I was able to read this. And I'll be honest, I went in thinking this would be probably an okay book, but just not really kind of in my wheelhouse, up my alley, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, you know, it's like, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. You know, Image tends to do a lot more of what I would consider almost a slice of life or, or more a general kind of a story than, you know, superhero or sci-fi. They do some of that too, but they do a lot more uh, stuff outside of those genres um, than, frankly, I tend to, to pick up and read. So I didn't go in with this with with uh, major expectations. But uh, you know what? Turns out this was a really well done book. And while the story wasn't exactly up my alley, it was, it was close enough that uh, I would give some serious thought as to picking this up. Now, I'm still behind on my reading. I still have a fairly full pull list, so it's no guarantee it'll get on my list. But certainly, if it was something where I had some openings and was looking for something, this would have gotten right on it. I thought the lead character was well-established, particularly through actions, not exposition. I thought the basic situation he was in was clearly set up. The backstory of the character just continued to reveal itself through the course of the story in what felt like a very natural manner. Not like it's like, oh, geez, here's the info dump they're going to give us. We, we get the so-and-so who knows him through whatever, and they're going to have to give us the life history of this character and heavy exposition. None of that. It was just something that just things kept popping out, and it's like, you know, oh, I get that. They went kind of where I felt they were going, but I didn't see it coming. It, it It's a very a tricky blend to foreshadow without telegraphing, and I felt the art and the story were perfectly in sync, which is unsurprising because the writer is also the artist, and that really helps have a unified vision and such. Um, so all in all, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by this, and... Um, I think it's it's quality stuff. Now, whether it's it's something uh, somebody's interested in reading or not, it depends what their interests are in terms of genre, story, and stuff like that. Uh, but certainly, I can't give this any marks down in terms of quality or or the execution on the idea. I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, those first four or five pages really set the tone on who this guy is, and I really love the use of the of the extra sets of keys that he's, mm -hmm. he's that he's used all along this cross country trip um or maybe his whole life he's had a a, 
a glove box full of of key rings that he uses to uh to con uh con people out of the check and in dine and dash across the country um and and that that was really a, a fun way to tell who this guy is and something i hadn't ever seen before i really mm-hmm. liked that um I think it is definitely a passion project for this guy who's doing, you know, the writing and the art and, you know, he's, he, this is his baby. So he definitely knows this inside and out. I'm, I'm curious as to what this is. We've got, you know, an estranged girlfriend and her, uh, daughter who also, <laughs> um, has an interesting career choice. And then his estranged son is pops back in and, and, We've got, you know, some in, uh, just a bunch of stuff going on. And I'm curious as to what this what what's going to be the driving force going forward in this story and, and how much we're going to get, um, because we can't just focus on the the short con for now. We've got we've got some other things to do and some other characters to explore. So I, I'm kind of curious about that. Um, I don't know that it was well established enough in this first issue to know what the direction is. But it sure was fun to get there and kind of get uh, everybody introduced. And, I, I, you know, uh, I'm curious. I'm curious. I, I want to know more. I agree that the the plot trajectory is, is a little ambiguous. But I don't think this is a, a plot-focused uh, narrative. This is one where it's it's, it's about the character and, and what happens to him. So, I mean, there's some books where it's like, well, the aliens are coming and we must fight the aliens or, you know, whatever right, the, the, right, right. the big, you know, conflict is going to be. There are others where it's just, here's a guy, here's his status quo. He's got a couple of things he's got to deal with. Isn't he kind of cool to watch deal with that stuff? This is in that vein, I think. And we think it's called slots because it's set in Las Vegas. That's, that's my supposition. I don't know why else they would call it slots. It seems reasonable. Yeah. It just seems seems like there would there I don't know so meeting him and and he's got interesting backstory. It doesn't seem to be gambling related much, but um, oh, I think maybe, it is maybe. just not in terms of slot machines and roulette wheels. Yeah, he certainly seems to gamble a lot on just the way he lives his life. I mean, con artist, etc. Yeah, okay, I can I guess I can see that connection. Um, I, I don't like the title. I don't think the title helps sell the book. What would you have called it? Uh, Stanley Dance, maybe. Eh, I don't know that that would have sold me any more or less. Um, yeah, yeah. Part of what impressed me with this is over the course of this issue, it's got like four chapters in it. We get a bunch of different characters. A lot happens in this. I would argue almost more than a six-issue arc, maybe a year's worth of some other titles uh, in the past that were insanely decompressed. Uh, yet it never felt rushed too busy or anything of the sort. I never felt overloaded with information, but, you know, you get to the end of it and you realize, wow, they've, they've done quite a bit. So I, I think a little bit better pitch on this, possibly a different title, although I don't know um, what title would have been better. I don't think Slots is particularly bad, but it's also not something that uh, there's a clear, okay, I get it now. This is, this is why it's called Slots. Uh, maybe in the course of the first arc, we'll get that. Yeah, yeah, maybe it maybe it is his his gambling attitude. I guess maybe that's that's what they were trying to evoke. I did, yeah, I just didn't get a sense for what what they were going for with that, and and I do not have a better replacement at the time. So I uh, all in all, would have gone with like a, a chance or something of that sort. Yeah, I, don't know. I guess it, depending on what 
what the direction of the story is would have helped you title it, but then you might forecast where you're going with the story. You don't want to do that either. Or it becomes clear why they told it, and it wasn't forecast by the title. Mm-hmm. You know, and right. I, I, I don't know. It's too early to tell. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like the art style a lot. I like I like his art. I like his, the story he's telling. Um, all the characters are interesting. I'm curious as to where it's going to go, and I want I want to see more. So um, uh, another A minus for me. Uh, I'm going to go with another A. Um, this worked uh, surprisingly well for me. There are a couple of things in here that in other books were really turnoffs for me. I mean, there's some profanity, stuff like that, but it didn't feel gratuitous. It wasn't uh, something they were making a big deal on. And just the amount of story and how sucked into the story I got uh, really impressed me. So solid A on this. I think it's definitely worth checking out. As I said, I'm considering do I add it to my, my reading list or not. But uh, I've got a, a pretty full reading list as it is, so I'm I'm not sure. Anything else? Or does that pretty much do it? Hey, I think that does it. 